Good evening, everyone. How are you tonight? We just want to welcome you to the North Georgia Revival. Thank you so much for coming. If everybody could go ahead and stand to their feet tonight, we'd like to go ahead and invite those of you that want you to just go ahead and come on down to the front. Let's just go ahead and start expecting God from the very beginning, amen? So let's just go ahead, those of you that are feel comfortable doing that, we'd love to invite you to come down to the front so you can just worship freely without any distractions. And we're going to grab our Bibles tonight, and we're going to turn to John chapter 9, and we start every single service this way with the reading of God's Word. Don't worry. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you can welcome Joanna as she comes tonight to read the Word. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. We're so excited to have everybody here. Such an honor to host each and one of you every Sunday night. So we're going to be in John 9. We're going to turn to uh, verse 6. This is a story of the Jesus when he heals the blind man with the clay. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go wash off in the pool of Siloam, which is translated to scent. So he went and washed off, and he came back seeing. So we know Jesus is a rabbi, right? The Jews then would have known that the saliva had healing properties if it was the firstborn and a legitimate son. Jesus was proclaiming that he was a legitimate son of God and that he could heal him, right? And then he gave him something else. He gave him instruction. He said, go to the pool and wash off. Could you imagine if he would have just stopped at the clay and that be it? But he went and he washed off. His faith and his obedience were met in the same place. And that right there is the birthplace of a miracle. Is when you are expectant, you have faith and you are obedient. We have to be good stewards of the words that are given over us, spoken over us. And we have to walk in alignment with this word. So I just, I just want you guys to close your eyes for a second. Imagine yourself the blind man, which we all can relate to that in some way. And he, had, he couldn't even see him. But this man, this rabbi is telling him to do these things. And he felt his compassion. Can you feel his compassion tonight? So whatever it is you came with, I want you to picture it. Just picture it. Your need. What do you need tonight? What did you come here looking for? Do you need a healing? Do you need emotional healing? Are you broken? Are you tired? Are you hurting? Did someone hurt you? And just feel his compassion. And he heals out of his compassion. So some of us are gonna get in that pool tonight and wash it off. I got in that pool and I washed it off. I washed off abuse, 
shame, guilt, out in that water. So we're going to put our faith in that tonight. Father, we are just so in awe of you. We stand in reverence, God, to who you are, what you've been doing in this revival in our hearts, in our minds. We are just so thankful that you are a faithful God. You are true to what you say and we can put our faith right there. That you keep your word. You are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. You are trustworthy. Some of us have been broken, betrayed. He's not gonna do that. So Father, we just thank you. Let your, the train just fill the temple tonight. We proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness over this house and over each and every individual tonight. In your name we pray, amen.
can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break and i'll keep on singing your praise nothing can take my hallelujah nothing can take my hallelujah shadows will fade darkness will break and i'll keep on singing on, your sing. praise nothing can take my hallelujah the voices we sing, and nothing can take my hallelujah. 
I give you all the praise, all the praise. Hallelujah. Oh, what can take away my hallelujah? No darkness can contain my hallelujah. Your cross has made a way my hallelujah, my Great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living Lord who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has
tonight can we just all stretch our hands all the way up all week long this verse has just come to me over and over again and it says hope deferred makes the heart sick I didn't know why I don't know why I kept thinking about that verse all week long this song was not even on the set list tonight until this afternoon but I think so many of us have come in with hope deferred and we've come in with our hearts sick And I think the Lord wants you to know tonight that he is your living hope. You may be feeling like your hope has been deferred. He hasn't answered your prayer yet, but tonight the Lord wants you to know that he is your hope. Get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. He is not a God who lets us down. It is not who he is. His character never changes. No matter what we're facing, he is always good, always faithful to his promise, our living hope. We can stand firm on what he says. His will is to heal your broken heart. His will is to heal your body. Pastor Todd says it all the time. If he were standing right here in the room in flesh, he would heal you. And I want to let you know that you may not can see him, but he is right here in this room. God, we thank you that you are good, that you are our living hope, that we can put our hope and our trust in you alone. Doesn't matter what we've been told, we cling to your promise. We cling to your promise. We hold on tight to what you say. Nothing can shake us, God. We don't get distracted by what others have said, by what our own self-talk has said. We focus on you and you alone. And you have said that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You are infinitely good. You are infinitely good. Our living hope. Our living hope. Our living hope. Our living hope. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I rest, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my 
Cause you are good, good. Oh, you are good, you're good.
tonight you're never gonna you're never gonna you're never gonna. you know God's word says that it is the goodness of God that draws us to repentance and I feel a call in this room tonight for prodigals so all over the room tonight, I want the goodness of God to resonate from your own mouth. And if you're in this room and you have a prodigal in your life, whether it's a son, a, a daughter, a grandchild, whatever it is, I want you to lift your hands in this place tonight. doesn't matter where you're at, lift your hands in this place. And we're going to sing that again. I want you to resonate the goodness of God coming out of your very own mouth. It is the goodness of God that draws them to repentance. It's not the constant preaching. It's not the constant badgering. But it is his goodness and his alone. So tonight we declare that his goodness is far greater than the darkness that they're walking in. So we're going to sing this again, and I want you to sing it with everything that you have inside of you. Because he has always been good, and he'll always be good. And I declare over every prodigal here tonight, they are coming home because he is faithful to his word. And his goodness will draw them to repentance. So come on, let's sing that out tonight. You are good. You are good. You're good. Oh, you are good, you're good. Come on, sing it to him, sing it to him. You are good, you're good. Father, we just thank you tonight for being so good to us. We're undeserving. But you're good. So Lord, we pause in this moment 
to say thank you for loving us and being patient and kind to us. And Lord, we're grateful that you woo us and draw us and you never quit on us. That you're constantly pulling on us to come back. Mm -hmm. You are good. You're good all the time. good when it rains. You're good when the storms come. You're good, Lord, when we get a bad report. You're good when we lose a loved one. You're good. You're good. You're good. You cannot stop being good. And so we rejoice in that fact. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good tonight? Come on, give Him praise in this house. You know, I, I'm, I'm standing here at the front and standing in front of you right now, and I am just in awe of what God is doing in this North Georgia revival and churches all across this region and lives that are being changed. And on this crazy day of weather, you chose to spend your evening here at the North Georgia Revival. And I promise you this, I promise you this, you will not leave disappointed. He is here. We have sought His face. We've asked Him to demonstrate His glory tonight. But we've also asked Him to push into us. So you're going to feel Him push into you tonight. It's going to be uncomfortable. But full of grace. He's going to highlight things in your heart where He wants to be the Lord over it. And you're going to have a little conflict there. This revival is not about us. It's not about healings. It's not about manifestations, and it's not even about that water. It's all about Him and Him alone. And Jesus is going to wreck your life tonight in a good way. I can go ahead and say that to you right now. He's going to wreck your life tonight. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you came. You can never encounter him and be the same. And so he's going to mess up your world. And it's going to be delightful. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise, would you? Thank you, Jesus. As the lights come up, greet about 10 to 15 people around you. Shake their hand. Make them feel welcome tonight. Let them know you're glad to see them in the house. Welcome.
right in here in the, in the center section. Thanks for coming. It's Wow. Praise the Lord tonight. Thank you for being here. Who do we have here tonight that is from out of state? Anybody here? Where are you guys from? South Carolina. Praise God. Alabama. In Michigan. KK, you, drove, you flew in yesterday all the way from Michigan, read about what God was doing in Charisma Magazine, came here. Anybody else in this section way back here? Tennessee. All right, thank you. Welcome all of these on this side. Someone over here out of town, out of state. I'm excuse me, just out of state. All right. Anybody? Well, that's good. Right here? From Colorado. Thank you guys for being here. Right here in front, where are you guys from? Virginia. Wow. Thank you for coming. Yes. Okay, Alpharetta's like out of state from Dawsonville. I'm just telling you right now. Something happens when you go past that Dawson Forsyth County line. I mean, people get goofy. I'm telling you, folks get goofy driving their automobiles down there. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Welcome to week number 44 of the North Georgia Revival. Right at 2,300 people have been baptized in those waters in the last 10 to 11 months. I just got this message from Michelle. I don't know if Michelle is here tonight. If you are, just raise your hand when I read your story because it's very powerful. She says, Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. I want 
to testify to what God has done in my life since I was baptized on November the 25th. The Holy Spirit has removed anger, bitterness, and shame from my life. I have never felt so free, and my hunger and thirst for God's Word has increased exponentially. You know, some of the greatest manifestations that we're experiencing are these type of manifestations of where it is all about life change. Where is Adam? Adam, where are you? Uh, come here, Adam. I want you to come up here. Come on, welcome Adam, if you will, for just a moment. I want him to testify. This is the second time, Adam, that you have testified, but we're going to do a different twist tonight. How many of y'all believe God still works miracles? Come on now, somebody. Adam plays drums at Crossbridge Church uh, probably three miles down the road, maybe four miles at most. And you came here with some issues in your hands, right? You came and got baptized. What did God do for you on that night? I felt like electricity went in my hands. And like 10 minutes afterwards, I felt like a gentle cooling sensation on top of my hands. And it was like my hands were loose. My wrists were not tight anymore. And ever since then, you've been completely well. I use my hands a lot at work, and so it, sometimes it gets tight and sore, but I've experienced healing several times since then. Praise God. But something happened in that water. Tell us about that, about your mom. My mom had ulcerative colitis for years, and it messed with her stomach, problems using the bathroom and such. And um, she had it for years, and it was a bad situation for her. And she did not even know I was in the water for her standing in, and she was radically healed. So you, you stood up and said, I'm in this water for my mother. Yes. Pastor Marty had said, let her feel the fire wherever she is right now in her living room or bedroom. And she was in her living room in South Carolina watching TV, and she felt something all of a sudden. Now, let me explain. Because, listen, I, I was raised Baptist. Thank God for my Baptist background. But you know what? We would commit people like him to the funny farm spiritually. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? And so, yeah. And so, Adam, you're in there for your own reason, but also your mom is in South Carolina watching TV, not watching um, uh, on live stream or on Facebook. Right. And you're saying you're standing in for your mom because she has all of these ailments and issues going on in her life. So what did she experience that night? Did you say she felt fire? She said she felt something she had never felt before. It was almost like a rolling down here. She never, she never felt it before, didn't know what it was. And uh, I talked to her the next day after work, and she didn't even realize that night what it was. Because I talked to her on the phone after I got baptized, and she thanked me for standing in for her, but she didn't know, she didn't realize at that moment what had happened. I talked to her again the next day, and she, when she woke up at 4 in the morning, she thought, oh, my gosh, I know what that was. It was the fire. Now, what's happened to her since? And that was when? That was 1028, the same night that uh, the cancer was healed from that lady. Lorraine, right? Lorraine. Yeah, the same night. Uh, that was 1028. And now, she wasn't able to eat certain foods, is what? Right, correct. Uh, like salads, acidic stuff, uh, apples, different stuff, good stuff for her, you know. Um, so she can now eat all those things, and she has not had to get up in the middle of the night and use the bathroom. She's radically healed. Praise God. Somebody needs to stand to your feet and give God some praise in this house.
Just remain standing. Just remain standing. I got a message, and some of you have seen this on Facebook. And I don't know if Jane is watching um, from Savannah tonight. Many of you will remember Jane and her husband came here as a result of hearing the stage four cancer being cured. She was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, Jane was. They operated and removed the lump from her breast and then did an additional CAT scan, CT scan, to see where the cancer was or if they got it all. They noticed at that point that they had, at this point, four plus nodes, lymph nodes, that had cancer in them. They diagnosed her as stage three cancer. That's what the CT scan revealed. She heard what God was doing in this area. She heard about this revival. She heard about that water. Now, guys, let me say something about the water. We do not worship the water. It is water. It is Dawsonville tap water. But in January of this year, while I was in the middle of our fast, I'm walking on this platform, and I'm headed right toward that baptistry. It was completely empty, no water in it whatsoever. And the Lord showed me the water, and it was completely full. The baptismal pool was completely full. And a strip of fire on the water from the back wall to the front wall, two and a half to three feet wide. God arrested my spirit, and he said this. He said, Todd, I'm going to baptize people with Holy Spirit fire. That's exactly what he told me. Now, being a good Southern Baptist pastor that I have been and was, I thought as soon as they got saved, we're going to baptize them, and the fire of God's going to sit down on them. Had no idea the full extent of what God meant. We finished our fast. Pastor Lance Johnson came and preached for us on February the 10th, the men's meeting, February the 11th, the presence of God sat down in this place. On April 29th is when we started baptizing people spontaneously, giving a call for people to experience Holy Spirit fire. And ever since that day in April 29th, people have left this building completely altered and changed. Not because of water, but because of an encounter with the living God. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. And people ask me all the time, why water? Why, why the baptismal pool? Why that? And I go, I don't know. I just don't know. Why did the Father instruct Moses to build a brazen serpent out of bronze and put it on a pole and everybody that looked on it was healed. I don't know why he chose to do that. Now we find out in John 3, but back in the day, kind of strange. The very thing that bit you, you're going to make a statue out of it. Why in the burning bush? I don't know. All I know is this, that God is touching people. And they're getting radically changed, delivered, set free, healed. But more importantly, loving Jesus. 
like they've never loved him before. So here's the deal. She comes last Sunday. Now, this is just seven days old. She comes last Sunday and gets baptized in those waters. Stage three. She goes in on Monday after being baptized here to the cancer center in Noonan, Georgia. And they spend one hour doing an ultrasound on all of her nodes. She said that the lady looked in just intensely all over her body at every node, every place where they should be, where they should find cancer, and she couldn't find it. And Jane said, I noticed that the technician was smiling. She goes home, and she gets the report, and here's the report. Are you ready? Just a couple lines. Conclusion. This is what she texts me. Conclusion, post-lumpectomy changes of the right breast with no sonographically suspicious nodes appreciated. There are no cancer in the lymph nodes. Can somebody give God praise in this house? Come on now. You go from stage three cancer to a healing by the power and the presence of the Lord. Church, you can't make this up. I told Jane, I said, Jane, we're going to get tests before and after. Then we're going to bring you right back up here to North Georgia. And we're going to let you show the people what was before and what is after because we want every miracle to be validated by the medical profession. And so that's what we're trying to do. Isn't God great? So I don't know what you came in here for tonight, but listen to me. The greatest thing in the world is a relationship with Jesus. is pushing into Him and Him pushing into us. And as a result of that, He's going to rock your world. He's going to touch you. The preaching of the Word is going to come forward in just a moment with Pastor Don Allen. But before that, let's receive our offering. Ushers, would you come forward? We want to receive our offering tonight. Just remain standing if you can. I know you need to dig, and I'm going to be done. And we have two announcements, then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Don. People ask me, Todd, you know, what does it take, what does it cost to do revival every weekend? And our budget is right at $3,000, $3,000 a night to do revival. And... We don't beg. We just let you know of the need. And we know God's meeting that need. And He's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask. Y'all remember last week, um, missionary, Pastor Jeff Lyle, that was the missionary from your church and Pastor Billy's church. So glad to have Jeff Lyle and Billy Humphreys here from Newbridge Church and IHOP Atlanta. Thank you guys for being here. And... They confess, or they said, Lord, we're going to go on a fast, and we're going to commit $1,000 to give to the poor. Now, these are missionaries who need money. She looked at her husband and said, we really don't have $1,000. Are they here in the building tonight, by the way? The Lord spoke to me, Pastor Jeff, and said, give him $1,000. Now, this is before they, we knew that he was supposed to give 1000 to the poor. He said he's missionaries, and the Lord said, give him a thousand dollars. 
And I'm thinking, Lord, you must be talking to these intercessors over here or something, not me. But he said, give him $1,000. I said, okay, Lord, I'll give you $1,000. He testified and says, we have committed $1,000 to give to the poor, and we didn't know where it was going to come from. There were probably 75 people in the building left at that night because around 11 or 11.30 when you baptize almost 100 people, folks kind of go home and watch it on television. But there's about 75 to 100 left in the building. Out of our pocket change, we ended up sewing almost or right at $3,000 or over $3,000 into a missionary. Come on, give him praise. So what we're going to do tonight, we're just going to sow seed, give what the Lord lays on your heart. He is here don't be just a taker tonight. Be a giver. Be a giver. So see, you can't buy a miracle. You can't purchase a miracle. You can't give enough to get a miracle. Come on now, somebody from the Lord. You can't purchase your healing by giving money. Just out of obedience, just obeying. Because you know what? There are other Lorraines and other Janes and other people just like you that are on their way. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you, Lord, that you are here in this house. We thank you, Lord, that you're going to honor your word this evening. Lives are going to be changed. We celebrate you. Touch every giver tonight, Lord, powerful way. And even those that have a heart to give. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can look up on the screen and see a text to give. If you can give that way, feel free. It's very easy. It's secure. You can text to give. You may be seated. You can text to give tonight, and please take advantage of that. Help welcome my wife, Karen, to the platform for two important announcements tonight before the preaching of the Word. Well, when I hear stories like that, I don't know about you, church, but it creates an urgency on the inside of me, an urgency for the body of Christ to become prepared to answer everyone who has a question of the hope that lies on the inside of you. I tell you, it just creates an urgency to know the things of God, to know His Word, because we hear testimonies like this, and we want to get activated in the things of God. We want to minister. We want to go out there and tell people about the Lord. We want to see them come to God. But then sometimes we get to a place and we think, man, I really don't know what to say. I don't really know how to do that. I'm not sure if I can explain. Well, there is an answer for you. It's called Caneo Ministry Training Center. And there is, a, there is a brochure on your chair there close by. There's also a display table out in the lobby. You can stop by there tonight as you head out. We are starting in January, on January the 7th, a brand new track, Caneo 1. And uh, we've never done this before, but we truly believe that it is uh, necessary uh, in order to train more and more people in the things of God. And I'm going to ask Janine Burt to come. She is a current Caneo 1 student. Come on over here, Janine. And she, uh, she's in my Caneo 1 class right now. We've got about 55 students. We've got online students from various states. We've got, um, we've got students from other churches in the area, which has been so much fun because uh, we're brothers and sisters of Christ. We, we're one body. And so we get to have fun every Tuesday night in class. But I just want Janine to take a quick minute and tell you what Caneo has done for her. And I want her to just testify about that. Um, I guess if I had one word that I could describe Caneo, like she said, this is my first year. I've been in it since September, Caneo 1. It is life. God has taken his word 
and made it come alive in me. And because he has done that, he is equipping me to come into this revival and be work for him, his, do his kingdom work. I could not have done that without Kaneo One, without sitting under Pastor Karen. Um, if you can't get here for class, like she says, it's online. She can teach you online as well as she can in that room, and the Holy Spirit will be there. Um, there's just no way for me to describe the empowerment that he has given me, the authority that I know I have in him, the power. Um, I wouldn't have known that without Kaneo. And right now, we need that. We need that for this revival. So if you're not a participating in it, please do. God will bless you abundantly just by learning his word. Thank you so much, Janine. Bless you. Appreciate that. So, guys, listen, cut off for registration is December the 21st. That's a hard, firm cutoff date, December the 21st. So go online. Our website is there on the back of the card. You can click on the red tab at the top, Canal 1. It has all the information you need. The registration is there. Join us and get equipped in the things of God so that you are able to go out and, and minister with confidence. You know exactly what path to take when, when the opportunity presents itself to go and represent Jesus to people on the earth. Amen? So do that tonight. Do that this weekend. Also, ladies, on your seat, there is a brochure that looks like this. Grab one. Pull it out from underneath somebody or something. Coming January the 12th, this is the North Georgia Women's Conference. North Georgia Revival Women's Conference. So uh, that, was, that is going to be on January the 12th. It's on a Saturday. The, uh, the uh, schedule is on the back. It starts at 2 o'clock. There will be three sessions. And, yes, that evening it will be a blowout service, and we will be baptizing that night. We've had a lot of ladies and, and, and gentlemen, too, but ladies say, Man, I'm glad you're doing something on Saturday night. I can't get there on a Sunday. We're coming. We're bringing 10. We're bringing 20. So registration is now open for that. And if we've got our website, there it is, cfchurch.tv. You can go there right now. You ought to pull out your phone, go there right now. There's a little link right at the top. Take you two seconds to register. Registration fee is $10. That covers a meal that will be served that night. All of the churches in the area that have participated here, uh, I'm sure will be, be participating uh, at that, uh, in the, the revival service, ladies' conference as well. There'll be different speakers from all over. So, ladies, we strongly encourage you to register for that. Come and be a part. Bring somebody that needs a touch from God, and they will receive on that day. Amen? Amen. Welcome, Pastor Todd. I want you to stand to your feet and help me welcome a friend of Christ Fellowship Church who needs no introduction, who has preached this revival Many, many times I trust him explicitly with our people, with the revival. He can carry the presence of God. He knows the word of the Lord. And I know that he's going to deliver a now word to us tonight. I want you to help me welcome on this 44th week of the North Georgia Revival, Pastor Don Allen, the church at War Hill. Would you welcome him to this platform? Come on, lift up the name of Jesus tonight. Amen. Amen. 
Well, indulge me just a moment while you're standing real quick. Grab your, grab your car keys. Somebody's going to donate their Tahoe. Tonight. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> grab your car keys. And just do them like this for me. All right, that's how I want you to say amen tonight. Come on, say amen. All right, you may be seated. Get ready. I heard a T.D. Jakes imitation out there. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, amen. Well, thank you for braving the snowdrifts to be here tonight. I know that it's a good night. God's presence is, is here. I'm honored to be a part. Can I, can I just talk with you for just a moment before I bring the word? Tonight, I want you to know that I'm thankful for what God is doing. I think last night, the picture that Pastor Todd posted probably summed up for me what God has been doing. You see, a few weeks ago, as we sat around our Thanksgiving meal, my family goes around the table and tells what they're thankful for. Now, some of my family members are extremely creative, and they say, food, come on now, amen. But as we're moving around the table, I, it comes to me last, and as I'm, I'm sitting there with my family, and we're, I'm looking, and I, I'm seeing what God has blessed me with. I thought about the things that I have to be thankful for in my family, and I, I thought about the things that we have to be thankful for. We literally have had hundreds and hundreds of people saved this year at the church at War Hill, and I, I rejoice over that, and, and I went through that. And, and this year, in 2018, we took our biggest mission goals, and we, 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 we just went into that to give, and, and how many of you know you can't outgive God? We've had over $3.475 million dollars worth of properties donated back to our church this year. You can't outgive God, but, but at that moment, that all seemed so, so, so not the right choice. And as I almost dipped my head as we were sitting there, and I said, the most thing that I am thankful for this year is the North Georgia Revival. I said, I am thankful for what God has done because my wife got baptized over here and she's told me time and time again, I'm not the same person I was when I got in that water. My daughters have been baptized. I've watched as, as the Spirit of God has changed our lives. I've, I've, I've watched 33 years I've been traversing this planet preaching this gospel and, and I've watched as, as God literally has begun to change my life through this desire for revival. And I want you to know, last night in that picture, it was summed up. Because not only were they praying, which is a mark of revival, I want you to get that. But I noticed, I said, that's from one church, and that's from another church, and that's from another church, and that's from another. Come on now. That the body of Christ is coming together. Can you, can you lift up the one who brings us all together tonight? Hallelujah. He is worthy and he is holy. Father, I thank you for your power, and I thank you for your presence. And I pray tonight that you will speak to us, and you will give us clarity from your word. Help us to become what you want us to be. Help us to become the people of God who are on fire for you. And Lord, tonight, I thank you that there is fire in the water. 
but there's power in the Word. Lord, speak to us through the Word. I ask you to save people tonight and set people free. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. You know, tonight I, I want to declare to you that, that, that the key to set you free is in the house. I want you to understand what, what God is doing. I want you to understand that during this season of time, people are, are wondering what's going to happen around this season because as we move into the Christmas season, people take a, a, a shift. We kind of put the fire in the fireplace. We sit down by the twinkle of the lights. We, we, we relax for a little while. We kind of kick back and we enjoy the, the slowing down of the pace. And, and what's going to happen to a revival during the time of year when we all go on lockdown where we eat too much? Come on now where we, we, we make a shift in our schedules to where we're used to slowing down, is there still going to be a press for revival? Is there still going to be a hunger for revival? And I think if the people would come out tonight on a night with weather like this, there's definitely going to be a hunger for revival in the atmosphere. But because of the Christmas season, people, they, they, they step back. Because of the Christmas season, people, people kind of take just a moment as they, they take a step back and they miss the fact, and I want you to listen to what I'm about to say very carefully, they miss the fact that during the Christmas season, that's a season that scriptures are proclaimed whether the world knows it or not. And there is, what, listen to me, there is revival in Christmas. There's revival in these, these scriptures that you're going to see. And, and I want to talk to you about just a few of those tonight for just a moment. But there's, there's revival in these passages. There's revival fire. And I didn't come to preach a revival. I came to preach the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to set you free. But, but I, I, I think the message, as a matter of fact, the night that you stood here and you turned to me and didn't even give me much choice and said, God said you're going to preach here once a month, immediately I said I want to preach and talk at Christmas about these things. And so tonight I want to challenge you to be stirred up in your spirit to look and to realize that the world's proclaiming revival and they don't even know it. All around you there are cards. All around you there's declarations. All around you there's, there, there, there's a proclamation of revival. But we've missed the, the beauty of the revival in this season. For example, let me give you a passage that you're going to see a lot over the next few weeks. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. I'll, I'll get to my main text in a moment. But Isaiah 7, verse number 14 says, This shall be a sign unto you. Listen to me carefully. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now within that verse, there's shouting rites. When I start preaching to you about a God who has come to dwell with us, not partially, but he came fully with us. There's shouting rights in that passage, but, but the, unfortunately we've missed the revival in the passage if we just shout over the fact that God is with us. There's a miracle in the fact that, that a virgin shall conceive. There's a miracle there that, that we miss the, the key that unlocks the revival in the passage. We, we miss the truth in this passage because we, we, we don't understand what, what's being said here because we get caught up. We start reading, this shall be a sign unto you, and we get all of the way to a virgin shall conceive, and we forget about the first part of that statement, that this shall be a sign unto you. And we get all the way down to Emmanuel, and we as Christians are so messed up by that point that we forget the revival in the beginning. 
You see, you have to put that verse into context there in Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah chapter 7, we have a struggle going on. We have a battle on the horizon. We have two kings, the king of Syria, uh, and we have the king of Israel that have uh, brought their armies into preparation to attack and destroy the people of Judah. They have brought their armies together, and they're going to come up, and they're going to wipe out the people of Judah. And the prophet of Isaiah has brought a message, and he says, they shall not attack. They shall not destroy you. But because of their threats and because he can see the battle on the horizon, the king Ahaz, he is downcast, Scripture says. Because of the struggle that he sees coming, because of the the worry that begins to weigh down upon his shoulders, all of a sudden he begins to carry himself, Scripture describes it, and he goes in these solemn moments as he's walking around and he's downcast. And and Isaiah says, I told you it's not going to destroy you. And, and, And Ahaz continues in his defeat. But all of a sudden, Isaiah shows up, he's got his son with him, and he shows up and he says to the king, he says, oh king, God sent me with a message. He said, ask him for a sign that you're not going under. Oh, king, ask him for a sign that you're not going under. And the king says, I'm not going to try, try test God. I'm already in enough trouble. I'm not going to dare believe God for more. I'm not going to dare believe God could deliver me from this situation. I'm not going to dare believe that God is going to bring me out of this problem. But the word says that Isaiah then gets upset. And he says, how many times am I going to have to encourage you that God's on your side? He said, this shall be a sign unto you. Behold, listen to me. How many of you, if you were about to go under, if you were facing a cancer diagnosis, if you were facing a struggle of some kind of uh, a marital situation, or you were facing a struggle with your child addicted to drugs, or you're facing an addiction yourself, how many of you would get excited if someone said, ask God for your miracle, and, and ask God for your miracle, you said, no, no, I can't trust God, and all of a sudden they said to you, instead of, I mean, if they looked at you and said, the Lord says on this day in those waters you're going to get healed, most of us would start shouting. Most of us would be like, okay, God, now I hear from you. Many of you would, it would even be glad to hear, go, go take a, a dunk seven times because it would put it in your hands. But all of a sudden, the revival's in the Christmas message because all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hits Isaiah and he says, this shall be a sign unto you. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child and you shall call his name Emmanuel. And something happens inside of King Ahaz. He goes from being defeated to all of a sudden he begins to walk and he begins to understand he is going to make it. He is going to survive. He is going to come through this battle. What changed? inside of him. Here's the revival and the Christmas message that reminds us of the beauty of the virgin conceiving, that reminds us of the beauty of Emmanuel, God with us. All of a sudden, he realizes something. He has been reminded in the middle of his storm that the promise of the Messiah will come through the house of David, and he is the house of David, and the promise of God was still inside of him, and it had not yet manifest out of him, and as long as God was on his side working in him, he was going to come through no matter what came against him. Why don't you give God a praise tonight? How come there's an anointing for preaching too long in this house? That was supposed to be a 30-second introduction. Revelation. Just on Sunday nights, Pastor Todd. Amen. Revelation chapter 3. If you leave early, may the May the snow fall. Come on now. Amen. 
Revelation chapter 3, verse number 7. There's revival in the Christmas message. Listen to this passage. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, These words of the Holy One, the true one, notice this, notice this right here very carefully, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I want you to notice this passage very carefully. He says, I want you to understand that I'm speaking for the one who has, notice this, the key of David. It's not any key, it's a specific key. Because God opens doors that no man can shut, and God closes doors that no man can open. Now many of uh, of the doors that God opens in our lives, they don't just swing open. But what happens is, and I want you to get this, is God gives us the key. God gives us a key that will unlock the doors that need to be opened in our lives. Many of us are, are, are wanting God to, to make the doors that we're supposed to go through like those automatic doors that you just walk towards and suddenly, boom, it's a sign I'm supposed to go if it opens. But that's not the way the doors that God wants to move in your life will open. But what God wants to do is give you the key. Now we're looking for the right key. It's almost like a movie plot. I don't know one movie always comes to my mind where they, they find a key that's in a, it, it, it's wide and it's made out of bone and it, and it, and it looks like a ship and, and, and it, they think it's a pipe and all of a sudden they get down into where they're trying to go to find that national treasure and as they get down in there they, they take that and they realize that, that, that they didn't know what it was was a key to move them where they needed to be. And I don't know who you are, but God has sent me with a word tonight that there's a key in your life that you don't know why you've gone through what you've gone through, but God's going to use what you've been through to help move you to where he's called you to so that you can glorify him when he opens the door for you to walk into. Listen to me. I know I'm excited tonight. This is, I don't know how many times I preach today, but I feel it in my heart. And so we realize when we see the key that there's a reason he gave us the key. Now listen to me. I had the privilege recently of going with some friends and participating in an escape room. If you don't know what that is, what that is is you pay somebody to lock you in a room. And then you try to figure out how to get out. I don't remember how much we paid them to lock me in that room, but this I remember thinking when they locked me in that room. I remember thinking, I just paid to be locked in a room. My big brother used to do that for free. Come on, amen. You see, in the room that we were in, we really weren't trying to get out so much, but we were trying to find the right key, the right code that would unlock more revelation until ultimately, listen to me, it unraveled the identity of the one that we were looking for. We took some wrong turns. We made some wrong assumptions. 
As a matter of fact, I probably shouldn't say this tonight, but, but it was a humiliating experience for me because not only were you trying to get out of the room you were in, they opened a secret compartment through the fireplace that got you into the room that you needed to be in. And the only way to get through to the other room was to get on your knees and crawl through the fireplace. Can you imagine this fat boy crawling through a fireplace? The second time I went through the fireplace, the speaker crackled in the room and they said, Sir, we're going to unlock the door for you and let you walk to the other side. Come on now. But our goal was to find the truths we needed so that we would understand the truth that we were after. Listen to me. Scripture points to a great key that you need in your life. Scripture points to something even here during this Christmas season that's going to be celebrated, and I want you to understand what it means concerning your freedom. Scripture points to the key of David as a master key. A master key that will open doors, that will provide clarity and direction for our next steps with God. Now, Pastor, where do you find that? Here is the passage from where we first hear about the key of David. Isaiah chapter number 22, beginning in verse number 20. I'm thankful for a revival that celebrates the move of God, that celebrates miracle, but we also want the word. Can I get an amen tonight? Isaiah chapter 22, starting in verse number 20, reads like this. And then I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, to replace you. I will dress him in your royal robes, and I will give him your title and your authority. And he will be a father to the people of Jerusalem and Judah. Watch this. And I will give him, this is the first time we see this, the key to the house of David. The highest position in the royal court. When he opens doors, no one will be able to close them. And when he closes doors, no one will be able to open them. Does that sound like the book of Revelation? It sounds like the book of Revelation in that what we find here is this first example of a master key that opens any door that needs to be opened. Now let me just, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I know when I hit a vein in the Holy Spirit, I don't care what sentence you've been given. I don't care what death sentence has been labeled on you. There is a way, there is a truth, there is a hope, and his name is Jesus, and he wants to open every door for your life. It's not in my sermon notes, but I'm going to tell you this. I was sitting in Hyderabad, India, and there in Hyderabad, I was listening, and they were, they'd asked me, excuse me, I may be in Vijawada at this point, but they'd asked me to, to spend the day interviewing uh, candidates for the Bible college to see if they really wanted to know more about God. I, I thought to myself, if they want to pay and join the Bible college, let them join and they'll weed themselves out. But they said, no, Pastor, we want you to determine. You're, you have the call. And I said, who am I to make that call? And quickly I began to understand that some people were just wanting to come in for, that, uh, for a different reason there. But, but one young man, I'll never forget him, he came and he sat before me and, 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 and he said, I, I said, okay, tell me your story. And he started telling me his story and he said, he said you have to understand, I was the, I, I was the watch guard of up in the mountains between Pakistan 
Pakistan and India. I had, I had the elite position in the mountains there to guard from an, an invading force that would come across those mountains. And he said, while I was there one day, I, I was cleaning my weapon, and it discharged, and it killed the other guard. He said, they didn't give me a fair trial. They didn't really ask me. He said, they found me guilty and they sentenced me to life in prison without the opportunity for parole for killing my fellow guard. He said, Pastor, as I sat in that cell, I had been taught there were thousands of gods. And when you've got an eternity, as it seems, to, before your life ends, to pray to other gods, you'll pray to everybody and anybody that will listen. And he said, I began to pray, and nothing would happen. And I prayed to this God and that God and this God, and nothing would happen. But all of a sudden, I feel the Holy Ghost. But all of a sudden, he said, I remembered somebody telling me about Jesus. And he said, that day I got up, and I said, Jesus, if you are God and you will deliver me, I will spend the rest of my life telling people that you are the one true God. He said, Pastor, I'm sitting before you, a man sentenced to death. I tell you the truth. They came to my door. They opened the door and they said, you have been set free. Now go forth in your freedom. Come on now. I'm supposed to be preaching a message up here, but I'm telling you that I feel the Holy Spirit of God. I don't care what sentence you've been given. Don't you understand that? Somebody may have stood over you and told you you'll amount to nothing, but I have come to declare to you there is one who will set you free from the words of your past, the pain that has haunted you, and he will deliver you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why don't you give him a praise tonight? passage in Isaiah that I've read to you is the prophecy concerning Eliakim, who was the high priest, and I want you to notice this, who wore the key of David upon his shoulder as a sign that he was granted full access. When Eliakim came off, my wife is a nurse, you know they have those little, those little pulley badges. So imagine, I'm imagining a pulley badge. When they came, when Eliakim came walking, there was no door that he couldn't unlock. When Eliakim came walking, I don't even know if he had to use the key because as he came walking, the one who was guarding the door could see that he already had the master key and he would open the door. And Eliakim, the scripture says of him that if he opens a door, no man dare shut it. And if he, watch this, if he closes a door, no man can open it. I believe that God has sent me where the word tonight that's going to stop your cycle, that's going to turn something around in your life and you're going to stop running into blocked doors and you're going to start stepping into what God's called you to. Eliakim was given an all-access pass. Pastor Don, what does this have to do? Come on now, help me for just a minute. What does this have to do? Help me, help me, help me. What does this have to do with our, us and our keys? Eliakim was given an all-access pass. The key upon his shoulder was a symbol of authority. It was a, listen to me carefully, it was a symbol of governance. He, there was governance upon his shoulder. Now, I'm not sure if that reminds you of a Christmas 
verse or not, but it gets me stirred up because I start remembering a verse that you're going to see on Christmas cards all around. I told you there's revival in Christmas if you'll just learn to see it. It reminds me of Isaiah chapter 9 beginning in verse number 6 through verse number 7. It says this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Watch this, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Watch this. And it will be on his shoulder. And I've just got to finish this because it's too good a verse not to finish. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government. There shall, watch this, and peace there will be no end. Watch this. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. For the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You see, Eliakim was just a sign pointing unto the ultimate high priest. The ultimate high priest who would have ultimate access to any door and anything that he opens shall remain open and anything that he closes shall be closed forever. I'm suddenly reminded of a scripture that if he forgives me, my sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. That when he, my goodness I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. That what God determines over in your life is over and what God determines for you to move into hell itself cannot stop you when you Connect to the one who has. I've watched people go, the government's on his shoulders. There's a whole lot of garbage in governments today. But when you begin to understand the sign of authority that says no door shall hold me back. Pastor Don, I don't believe he can open every door. I can tell you one that he opened. They, they took him and nailed him to a cross. And they laid him in a tomb. And they sealed the door. But three days later, he opened the door that nobody else could open. Now, let me ask you a question. What good is a key that it has nothing to open? What good is a key if you have, I mean, if you have a key with nothing to open, what good is that key? I, I found a, a stack of keys in my office not long ago at home, and, and as I started looking through, I said, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then I started to rake them into the trash can, and I said, but I might find the key someday. I might find that lock someday. So I raked them somewhere that I'll never remember where they are until the next time I clean. You see, Jesus is in the business of opening impossible doors and leading us to impossible places. Jesus said this about the key or the keys he carries. Revelation 1.18 he said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. I went where everyone else goes, the grave, and then I used the key and did what no one else can do. I came back. Praise God. Jesus has the key. But here's the problem. 
Jesus didn't say, I have the key. He also said in Matthew 16 and 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And watch this, whatever you bind, whatever you close on earth will be closed in heaven. And whatever you open loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Isn't it amazing this whole thing works together? Listen to me. What he was saying is this. I am going to give you access to places that you don't deserve to be. I'll never forget one time I was flying some country somewhere. I was exhausted. South America, I believe. I think it may have been Peru. And as I was flying down, I'd grab the cheapest flight I could get at the last minute. I'm, I'm stuck in the back. And you can imagine me stuck in the middle of others. I walked on to a flight not long ago, and I looked at the row, three little seats side by side, and I was the little boy in the row. I thought to myself, they need to balance this plane out. Come on, amen. But I looked at the other guys and I said, boys, we're about to get to know each other real well. So that's my experience in the back of the plane. The man traveling with me, a, a, a good man with a much higher flying class than I, always got to be bumped up to first class. He said to me, Pastor, you're exhausted. You've preached till you can't preach anymore. Would you take my seat? In first class. That's an amen moment. I did what all of you would have done. I went, no. Inside I was praying, Holy Ghost, touch his heart. And he said to me, he said, no, I insist. I said, well, God bless you in Jesus' name and yanked it out of his hand. I took his seat. The whole time I sat there, I thought they're going to come up to me and they're going to ask me, sir, are you in your seat? Finally, I, I literally had the, 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 the ticket accessible because for that day, my name had changed. Come on, amen. And I was going to say, here's my ticket. It may not have been my name, but it was the name of the one who had granted granted me the key to that seat, the ticket to that seat. Can I tell you tonight that when you accept the fact that what Jesus does for you is not because of who you are, but because of who he is and because of the status that he has, you have been, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost, you have been granted access to expect more than you could expect on your own. You see, when they say to you, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be bound. You say, mm, I have the key. When they say, what are you doing here in the secure area, in the backstage? What are you doing here in the place that you're not supposed to be? Who gave you access? Can I just tell you the best thing to say? My older brother gave me the key. He gave me the key. When the devil says you're supposed to be locked up, bound down, pushed down, why are you rejoicing in God's house? I just would raise that key and say, the key, baby, come on now. I've been given the key. I've been given access to the presence of God. When you start praying, the doors start opening. 
When you start praising, the chains start falling. The enemy says, you're never going to become who God's called you to be. But God said, what I open, the enemy cannot close. Some of you going, Pastor, you don't understand. There's a wall of shame. There's a, there's a wall of failure that blocks my way. That's what you need to learn to say. Step aside. I've been given the key. Let me close with this tonight. I'm sorry, I don't even know what time I started. But I feel God. Somebody's ready to get free. I declare, if you came to this house bound with addictions, or if your family's bound, there is freedom in this house. The key is accessible tonight. There is liberty in this house. Let me give you a couple of instructions on how to use the master key. I want you to understand this. The master key can only be used to move you forward. I want you to get that. It can only be used to move you forward. You have not been given a pass to visit your old haunts and your old hood. The key only moves you toward a destiny. God told me you'll either pursue darkness or destiny. Make up your mind. I still have some keys in my life that I wonder why I have. When I pick up this key ring that I'm holding here tonight, I, I'm looking at a key right this moment that I've used this key 20-something years. This is my key. This is the key that I use when I pull up at the church and it opens the door that leads me to my office door. And, and, and then I go into my office area there. This is, this is the key that I've used for 20-something years. And, and I want you to understand this key means something to me. I, I don't know why this key means something to me. Except that, that this key has been the way that I've had access into what God's called me to do for 20-something years. But there's a problem with that. If you know anything about what God's done at our church, they tore that building down last year. This key opens nothing some of you are going get it off your key ring pastor I will when I'm finished preaching this sermon come on amen but I didn't put it back on there can I tell you I don't know how many mornings I pull up and I stick this key into the door that's the new door to the new place that God has called me to be in and I put this old key in that door and I sit there and say stupid door but the problem is, I'm trying to use yesterday's key to open today's opportunity. Pastor Todd, I'm trying to behave. But the problem is this. People say to me, well, Pastor Don, what do you think about a baptism revival? I said, I don't know, but people are getting healed. People are getting saved. People are getting delivered. God can do something different to open new opportunities. Come on now. I can stand at that door all day long going, you worked for me in the past. Why won't you work for me now? Or I can reach over right here. I have finally figured it out. And I can find the key that's beside the little key. But I don't know what that key opens either. And this key opens the new door 
with the new opportunities. And I have to make up my mind. Keep trying to move forward with the same skills and the same motives. And let me, let me just say it this way. Some of you, your charm got you this far. But where God's wanting to take you cannot come on how you can manipulate people. It can only come when you follow him into the new levels he's called you to. See, some of you can, can, can hustle your way into anything. But that's an old key that took you to where you are now. Listen to what I'm telling you. It took you to where you are now and it cannot open the next level anointing that God has for your life. Some of you have been trying to use old keys, but the problem is that has passed away. You messed up. You raised your hands and you said, I want to get saved. You lifted your voice and declared that Jesus Christ is Lord and your yesterday began to crumble and a future and a destiny began to open before you and what you need is an all access this past that says, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, you're welcome. Come on into a calling. Come on into an anointing. Come on into the presence of God. Why don't you give God some praise tonight for a key that opens every door? Why don't you praise him tonight? I don't know if I told you what this sermon said I'm supposed to tell you, but I told you what God has put on my heart tonight. Now, some of you are ready to get free some of you are ready to use the new keys some of you are ready to unlock your destiny but hell says you've butted your head up against that door far too many times now I know why God told me to wait on this I sat with someone just the other day, and for three years, three years, there have been hospital visits, ambulance rides, doctor's visits, and fear for three years. In October, they came to the North Georgia Revival. They got in that water, and from the moment they came up out of that water to this day, there has been zero effects of that illness any longer, completely, totally healed. For three years they had cried. For three years they tried to unlock the door. But God has come to unlock the door for you tonight. Stand with me in this place. What key are you trying to use? I'm just trying to obey the Holy Spirit here for just a moment. I have no apologies for my message. I, I may be a little re reluctant in the way that I have gotten a little excited tonight. But how can you not get excited when you're declaring someone's freedom? God has spoken to my heart tonight. I am freer than I was before this revival began. And tonight, you can be free as well. I want to talk to you about two things before I open this time for baptism tonight. If you came into this place with something pulling you back 
and you're ready for freedom. You're ready to be loosed tonight. Can I just see your hand if that's you? Can I, can I see your hand? Wow, hands going up all over this place. Thank you. Pastor Don, we're supposed to bow our heads now. No, you're not. God's wanting to change your life. Matter of fact, this is a little different than me normally, but as many of you that would just raise your hand, would you start coming this way? Would you start? That baptistry is not open yet. This is the altar. Come. 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 This is your freedom. Pastor Don, I'm afraid. No, no, you're, you're afraid the wrong key is not going to open the right door. I'm come to preach to you the right key, and his name is Jesus. Come. He's going to loose some things off of your life tonight. He's going to deliver you tonight. The Spirit of the living God is upon us. He's upon me right now to proclaim freedom to the captive. Am I waiting on anybody else that that bondage has held you back and you're still in your seat because you feel like there's no way you're going to dare believe again. Where are you? I'm waiting on you. Others are beginning to come. Quickly. A simple thing. The sound of access. That's what we're hearing in this place. In just a moment, we're going to begin to pray for these. And in just a moment, I'm going to open up the waters for baptism. But now let me ask you the most important question of all. You're here tonight. You may already be in this altar. But you say, Pastor, I need to accept the most important key. And that's the key of salvation. I need God to unlock my destiny by saving my soul. You may have prayed a prayer a hundred times. And some of you are watching. You may have prayed over and over again, but this is your moment. This is your time. The simple truth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead is going to set you free. I'm just going to keep, I just feel that prophetic anointing for just a moment. Somebody, you're, you're sitting there watching this and it's getting all over you. Somebody's crying. I see somebody literally shaking under the presence of God right there in your home. God's speaking to you right now. He's going to set you free. Set that beer to the side. Set that thing down and you be free by the authority of Jesus Christ. You be free by the authority of Jesus Christ. All right. This is it. We're about to pray few moments we're going to open the baptistry and we're going to lay hands and pray for thee that God's going to release an anointing on them but quickly quickly if you're here tonight you say Pastor Don I have never accepted Jesus as my Savior or I'm ready to settle this fact I prayed a bunch of prayers but I'm ready tonight to settle this let me see your hand right where you are hold it up high Hold it up high if that's you tonight. Somebody, everybody's looking around the room tonight. Are you afraid? Are, are, are you holding back? That's the bondage of yesterday. Where are you? I'm waiting on you right now. You came here tonight. You came in the weather to get free. I'm looking for you. I'm waiting for you. Are you here? I heard somebody just say, said, Lord, only, only those who love Jesus come out in this weather. Come on, amen. But where are you? feel God in this place. I know why we're here. These altars are full.
Am I missing somebody? Young man right here in the front gave his life to Jesus Christ this morning. God's got freedom for him. Amen. Is there somebody else right now? This is your moment. This is your time. All right, altar workers, I want you to quickly come get behind these. We're going to begin to pray, and then we're going to make a way for the baptistry to begin to be lined up for. But this is the moment. This is the time. This is the hour. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place tonight. I thank you that there's anointing in this house. And I thank you, Lord, that, 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 that people are here in the gospel that Jesus sets them free is going to liberate them now for new doors and new opportunities. They're going to be freed from addictions and from fear and, and from lust and from, from anger. And there, there literally is going to be a liberating. That's not only going to happen in this altar, but it's about to happen over here in this baptistry. God, there's going to be freedom that's coming in this house. Lord, I believe some that are watching right now, there's going to be delivering powers. They call upon Jesus as their Savior now. Lord, I believe it's coming into this house. I believe right now in the name of Jesus Christ that delivering authority is coming into this place. Father, I thank you that you are here. And right now in Jesus' name. As these begin to pray for these, as worship begins to prepare, as we prepare for the presence of God, I thank you that the key that looses them has come to set them free. His name is Jesus. In Jesus' name. All right. Altar workers, we begin to pray with these. Worship team, let's get ready. If you're here for baptism and you're ready to unlock your freedom through that anointing of baptism tonight, you're ready for that, I want you to quickly come right up these stairs and begin to go right over this way, and God's going to set you free in the name of Jesus Christ by the authority of Jesus. Come on. If you're in the altar for prayer, stay where you are. Altar workers, quickly, quickly, don't leave somebody standing here. Help me pray. Pastors, leaders, come on. Help me pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death hasn't lost its grip on me. Come on, you come on, keep coming. Keep coming. Come on, altar workers. I need altar workers. Pastors that know how to pray. Leaders that know how to pray. Come on. Help me pray tonight. Help me pray. Help me pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't leave anybody standing. Come help me pray. Help me pray.
the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me it came the morning that sealed the attention for just a moment what you're about to experience and about to see is as real and as authentic as it could possibly be in about five to ten minutes we're going to baptize people our church recognized early on that God was really really moving in people's hearts and lives in the baptismal waters because of the fire uh, the um, Holy Spirit and fire. We want to make sure that you're covered tonight. We have over 200 pairs of scrubs. We don't call them scrubs anymore. We call them grave clothes. They're just burial clothes. And at the end of the night, when we get out of here about midnight, maybe even to 1 o'clock this morning, it just depends baptizing people because what you don't know there are folks watching at home right now that are 30 40 60 miles from here they will begin to carry on a conversation with some of our staff that are monitoring the airwaves and they will begin to confess sin that I sense the presence of God in my house like I've never sensed him before and we'll say come on and they'll drive 30 40 50 miles to get here and they'll get here at 11:45 tonight and we'll baptize them. And they'll never be the same. Come on, give God praise right there. This is a point of contact where you're going to meet the living God. Just as people here at this altar are meeting Him right now. So if you came tonight and you think, I'm not prepared. We're prepared for you. We've got everything that you need all the way down to your underwear, okay? And we don't want that back. We don't need it back. We don't want it back. But we got you covered from head to toe. And we're going to minister to you and take care of you. This is precious. 
We don't take this lightly. We have a team almost of 50 people right behind that door, right there, right now, ministering to all of these folks. And we treat them as if Jesus would treat them. And when their foot hits that water, they have been prayed over. I've got a group of intercessors right now in a closed door praying for you that every hour a new shift will come in. And they're doing battle for you. I've got people on this stage, seven of them, that will pray for five hours tonight nonstop for every candidate that walks into that water. We're not in a hurry. We'll be here all night. Four weeks ago, a family waited five and a half hours to be baptized. And the presence of God so touched them at 1.30 in the morning, just as they did as God touched them at 8.15. He's here. Lift your hands. Continue to come if you can. If God is pulling on you and touching you. 60, 70, 80 people tonight to be baptized. Maybe perhaps more. And every one of them will have a story. Father, I just celebrate the fact. As Pastor Don so eloquently stated that tonight, they are walking through a door and they're going to encounter you and God that they are getting a new set of keys tonight a new set of keys tonight Pastor Don a new set of keys they're exchanging the old for the new death for life Hallelujah. How many of us believe that tonight in Jesus' name? Until we're ready in about the next five minutes, just continue to worship the Lord as our team leads us. And when we begin to baptize, I want to ask as many of you that can, can come over to the baptistry to support them, be in prayer for them. Let's just love on Jesus right now. Christian and Joe, can you guys lead us? Thank you. Then came the morning. That sealed the promise Your buried body Began to breathe Out of the silence The roaring lion Declared the grave Has no claim on me 